we've been talking about how one of the ways that God tries to communicate with us is by comparing himself to a human being, making himself relatable and understandable, like we understand each other as human beings, right? And, and, and of course, the idea behind this is that it, it really seems that what's going on behind the surface is that God kind of thinks that if we understand what he's really like, that we're actually gonna like what we see. You know, kind of cutting through the misconceptions we have about God, cutting things through some of the things maybe we've been taught to believe about God or have come to assume about God, but that if we can actually see the real God, like see him for who he is, understand him for who he is and how he wants to communicate, we're gonna like what we see. And of course, by liking what we see, we're gonna probably wanna spend time with him and be with him, just like he wants to be with us. And so one of the most common ways you'll see the Bible work is it will use human anatomy to describe God, kind of a comparison it makes that we can understand what he's like and what he does. And so the Bible will talk about things like the face of God, the hand of God, the arm of God, the finger of God, yet even the nose of God, the mouth of God. But today, I want to build off what Gwen said about seeing. And I want to talk about eyes. I want to talk about the eyes of God. Now let me show you this, this line from Jesus. Look at what he says. He says, the eyes are the lamp of the body, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Maybe put another way, it's like the eyes are a window to the soul. It's been said that love is born through the eyes. And even like today in mass country, right? Haven't you noticed that even when this much of a person's face is covered, just by looking at their eyes, you can still read their thoughts, their emotions, how they're responding or feeling to something because the eyes are a window to a soul. I want to do kind of a, a little um, experiment with this today. We got our own Brady Bunch lineup here this morning, okay? As a way to just kind of bringing this home, we'll, we'll call the guy at the top Bobby and we'll talk, call the girl at the bottom Marsha. Sound good? Um, let's take a look at Bobby. Are you able to see a difference in what he's thinking and what he's feeling between those three pictures? Are you? Let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can kind of flush out what we think his disposition is or what's kind of going on inside of him in any one of these given pictures. Let's start here with the top left. What is Bobby feeling there? What, what would you say? Happy, right? He seems happy about something, glad about something. There's, something. there's something good happening inside of him that's kind of shining out the eyes. Now, let's go to the middle one of Bobby. What, what was Bobby feeling here? All I heard is kind of together, but maybe that expresses it, right? Maybe it is a kind of thing. I think I heard like angry. I think I heard agitated. I think, uh, was there anything else out there? 
frustrated, right? It's something negative. There's something there that he's not happy about. He's either angry or upset or agitated or frustrated or just ticked off about something, right? Let's move to the far right. What's Bobby feeling here? Surprise, shock, fear. I even heard excited and maybe, but, but do any of you look at the excitement here and see it necessarily as a positive excitement as opposed to a fearful or warning or, or, or like I can't believe it kind of, right? We can read someone by their eyes. Let's move to Marcia next. And let's go to the bottom left right here. What has what Marcia given us here today? Yeah, yeah, we kind of know it, but, but, but it can kind of reflect three or four different emotions. You know what I call this one right here? I call it the huntress, all right? Because I can't figure out if it's a look saying, you're dead, right? Or if it's a look saying, oh, I want you, <laughs> right? Either way, it's the same. It's the same emotion depending, right? There's something there like it. Some of you are looking at me right now going, dude, you so read the second one wrong. And I will admit, I've never been able to read women. So, okay, fine. Number two, Marsha. It's kind of like Bobby, isn't it? Those two could really go hand in hand. And how about here, number three? She's sad or she's hurt or upset or wounded. A blow has been dealt to her psyche there, and without even seeing her mouth. You know, don't you? What does Jesus say? The eyes are a lamp for the body, and it seems to express two things. What the eyes see and bring in affects emotion, but simultaneously, they also reflect out the emotion that's within. So our eyes, fascinatingly, don't just take in, but they also communicate. Would you agree? And see, this is what I think is behind these phrases you get in the Bible. When it says things like, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, or Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, Certainly, it's saying at one point that God is seeing these things. But at another level, it's also reflecting God's response to these things. That through the image and pictures of the Bible of God's eyes, we not only see what God is seeing, but we see into his soul, showing his response. Now, The Bible says that God's eyes are on us. Let me show you this proverb. It's just a great example of it. Let me have it. The eyes of Yahweh are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And I want to pause here for a moment because what I'd like to know is your kind of initial reaction 
to reading something like that. Do, do you like the idea of guys upon, uh, uh, of Yahweh's eyes being everywhere, or, or do you dislike it? Because I found that for some people, the thought of Yahweh's eyes being everywhere brings a certain sense of comfort, security, uh, joy, hope, even. But I find that for others, it brings a certain sense of resentment, frustration, anger. Do you like the idea that God has eyes? And if you do, do you like the idea that God's eyes are everywhere on both the righteous and the wicked? How do you respond to that? I want to give you three or four thought experiments today to flush this idea out. And let's talk about it in very human ways, because that's how the Bible likes to talk. The first is this. We're going to talk about this phrase, I'm watching you. Okay? How, how, how do, you, do you do you like that? Do you like that I'm watching you? Do, do you like it when someone's watching you? Maybe. Maybe not. You know, if there's this guy you like and you've been hoping forever that he would notice you and then he comes up to you in class and he goes, wow, you look really pretty today. He's watching me, right? Right? You were just like up there, right? But if you come across that other guy who's been kind of giving you the million mile stare for like three years and it ain't good, and then he comes up to you after class and he gets like way too close. We're talking like six inches of like, you know, body space between. He goes, you know, I watch you. (laughs) It's a whole different emotion right there, isn't it? What is it for you with God? Do you like God watching you or don't you? I think of this one story that we use a lot of times when we try to describe discipleship to people and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Share the story that I heard from Ray Vanderland, where he talks about the story of like Peter and James and John by the Sea of Galilee. Remember, and Jesus is walking by the shoreline and they're out fishing and, and Jesus cries out, hey, Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says immediately at once they dropped their nets and they followed him. And how weird this is, because really, who does that? And who lives like that? I mean, like, they're, they're in the middle of like, someone just, and I just drop it. And he, and he uses this story to illustrate what it's like. It's like, imagine you're some kid in the projects. And the story is a little bit older, so forgive me for the dated sports reference, but... You're a kid in the projects, and you're shooting hoops. And this car pulls up. And I mean, it is, you know, we're, we're talking Bentley, we're talking Lamborghini, we're, we're, we're talking like six-figure car, you know what I'm saying? This car pulls up, and it just parks, and you notice it. But nothing happens, so you keep shooting around. About five minutes later, the tinted window comes down. And Michael Jordan leans out the car and he says, hey, hey, you. Hey, come here for a second. I've been watching you. 
I think you got what it takes. I want you to come follow me and learn from me and let's get you mastering your game. Does that kid go, ah, you know, you go on, Michael. You know, I got plans later on today. No, you drop everything in a moment's notice because Michael, he noticed me. He's watching me. He sees me. Is that how you think about God? Or do you think about it more this way? It was a couple of years ago. My eldest daughter, Reagan, was house-sitting for my cousin, Chris, who has gone on a vacation. Now, Chris lives in Deer Park, and it's a part of Deer Park where there aren't street lights, the, the lots are a little bit bigger, there's big trees, and it's dark. Not only that, Chris lives in a house that's all ground level and made of glass, which means you can walk up to any given window at any other point of the day, right, and just see everything going on in the house. And Reagan is there alone, house-sitting their dog. Well, I had to go pick Reagan up. I'm running kind of late and I'm making my way up and I just happened to flash my phone about two seconds before I ring the doorbell and it was from a half an hour ago saying, Dad, are you coming? Where are you? And do you ever have these moments that you just can't resist? I notice that my godson is there and his girlfriend is there at the same time, so she's not alone. But I'm like, I can have some fun with this. So I go over to the picture window and I just stand in the darkness and watch everything they're doing and just start going, how long can this last? A minute goes by, two minutes goes by, five minutes goes by. It may have even been more. I don't know. You know how time compresses. But it felt like in eternity. And then I finally text back, I'm watching you right now through the window. 30 seconds goes by, the text comes through, I see her pick up her phone, I see my godson there looking at it. And I kid you not, all of them go like this. <laughs> they turn, they see me watching them in the window, <laughs> right? It's the stuff that horror movies are made of. Right? Which of us hasn't had that moment when we're all alone and you can swear that there's someone watching you? This creepiness of these eyes. When you hear the creak in the back room, something in the closet, something in the attic. The trees are just casting shadows. You know that there's something in the house. Come on, adults, you're with me. You know, you, 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 you live this every, right? How do you think about God? A God whose eyes are everywhere. Is it something more like Michael? Or that guy that likes you? Or is it more like creepy stalker peeping Tom guy peering through your window? Thought experiment number two. Let's talk about dad. Jesus will refer to God as his father and therefore our father. 
The idea that God has adopted us and puts us in a, in a relationship with him like father and son. And what I've come to realize is that kids both want and don't want their parents to watch them. Let me give you two scenarios. You tell me which one fits more of your perception of God. One is of the disinterested, angry, hard parent. The parent who can never be pleased. The parent for whom it's never good enough. That parent that you get the most peace in your life when they're out of the house as opposed to home. And when they come home and the door opens, your anxiety rises because you know they're just going to yell at you about something, berate you about something, tell you something wasn't right or wasn't good enough, put you down, and leave you always feeling like you've just never arrived. Is that your perception of God? Or is it like the other kind of parent? The parent who's been one of the biggest people of support in your life. Who you want at every single one of your basketball games, every single one of your volleyball games, you want them there watching you. Seeing you play because you want them to delight in you. You want to make them proud. You want, you, you want to show off to them and them to surround themselves around you. There's a video I want to show you this morning. It's from the 2014 Olympics, actually. I think I've even showed it here at FOF once upon a time, but, but man, it, it just hits what I'm talking about. As you watch this, I want you to envision the parent as God.
How do you think of the eyes of God? And how do you hear the phrase, God is watching you? I tell you, I watch that video. It's like if you don't tear up watching that video, you have no soul. You, you know, I mean, it's just like, oh, he loves me, right? <laughs> the eyes of Yahweh are everywhere. How do you feel about that? Thought experiment number three. The police. It's my senior year of high school. And I finally mustered the courage to ask this girl out that I liked since eighth grade. Oh my gosh, was she hot. I mean, you know, her, her legs were... And I finally did it. And I asked her out, and, and you know, those of you who are more from the city, you know, we went to this place, it isn't there anymore, but the Comeback Inn, you remember that in Melrose Park or Stone Park, whatever that was right there? This cool dive, hole-in-the-wall place in a neighborhood you really shouldn't be in, but totally worth going. I'm like, I'm taking her to this place. Let's go, we have dinner. It was entirely awkward. <laughs> we come out afterwards. And the nature of their parking is the place was always packed. And so you always had to park like around the corner in these gravel lots and in these strange kind of like alleyways and stuff like that. And we're coming out and it's kind of dark. And there's five guys that look like they're up to no good sitting on my car with five or six beer bottles stacked on top of it. Oh, having the time of their life. And you ever have these moments where you turn the corner and you see something and there's instant recognition on both sides. And you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> because at this point, there's no turning back. There's no turning around. That, but what do we do? Do we just keep moving forward? Have you ever had those moments that you so wished a cop was around? Think about the times when you're driving. Why is it when you break down, you can never find one, but every time you're doing 11 over the speed limit, there they are, right? Or is it more like this? The government is watching you. Just watched Snowden recently on Netflix. Talk about giving yourself a complex, you know? NSA, collecting your data listening through this, watching you through your webcam even when you don't know, tracking every email, every Google search, every download that we so willingly go, yes, I'll accept because well, I need to play this video game, so please, here's my social security and every other aspect of my life. Which is closer to God for you? The eyes of Yahweh are everywhere. A cop working the beat protecting you? Are the government watching you to make sure that you're not a threat? How do you see God? Thought experiment number four. Let's talk about sports betting. You got a friend who works for the Bears. 
he tells you they're going to win it all this year. Bet big. Double down. It's a sure thing they won't lose. Or think of a movie like Back to the Future 2, which is really all about sports betting too. Of a guy who was actually there and saw in the future and then came back and said, no, it's a sure bet. Bet on it, I assure you. How do you see God? The one he th- who thinks, who he knows what's going to happen and is going to leave you in potential failure in room or the one who actually has seen what happened and can tell you now to prepare you. Because the Bible is clear. God has eyes. God sees. He's watching How do you understand it, though? Is someone you want to love you and admire you or some creepy stalker guy? As a hard and stern dad who can never be pleased or one who delights in you? As a cop who is there to protect you or a power making sure you don't step out of line? As one who only guesses what's to come? Or one who has actually seen your future? How do you see God? And I'm going to submit to you this morning that the way you answer that question has more to do with your disposition than actually with God. That the way you answer that question has more to do with what you've come to be taught and come to believe about God than who he actually is. And this is why God, for thousands of years, has been trying to communicate to people, no, listen, no, hear, no, see, let me tell you who I am. See me for who I really am. And I'm going to share just four passages here with you today. It's what he says in Isaiah when he writes this. Before I was born, Yahweh called me. From my birth, he had made mention of my name. He said, you are my servant in whom I display my splendor. But I've said, I've labored and worked in my life to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain for nothing. But now this is what Yahweh says. He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, I am honored in the eyes of Yahweh. And God has been my strength. Or my favorite from Isaiah 43. But now this is what Yahweh says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, don't panic, for I am with you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, who has called you by name. You are precious and honored in my sight. Or this from Exodus 
where God says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I've heard their crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Or this, where God says, present your case, set forth your arguments, bring in your idols to tell us what is going to happen. To tell us the former things that were and what is yet to come. To tell us what the future holds. I, Yahweh alone, have seen. It's why Paul can say stuff like this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for Yahweh and not for men. Because we know that he sees and he delights. And he delights in watching over you. It's why Paul will even go so far as to write to slaves, saying when you do your job, over which you have no control. Don't work at it as though their eyes are on you, but work as though Yahweh's eyes are upon you. Work for him because even though you were a slave then, then you will be free. The eyes are a window to the soul. How is your soul reading the eyes of God today? Because God dares you to believe a different narrative. One from which many of you have come to think. How do you interpret God watching you today?